Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. We are all set. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode number 524 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios. You already know we're talking Phils tonight. We're talking Sixers. Postseason schedule for the first round is out. We're going to talk Survivor. We're going to talk Union like we always do. But before we get started... Uh, make sure you guys are following us at Underground PHI on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI. Uh, follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you decide to get your podcasts. We are there. Leave a five-star rating and review. It does go a long way for helping the show continue to grow, helps more people find underground sports philadelphia and uh just keeps our fan base growing and growing as we head into yet another busy season with the sixers and the Phils all at the same time and of course nfl draft right around the corner and make sure you guys are subscribed to the underground sports philadelphia youtube channel youtube.com slash at underground sports philadelphia that's where you get full video episodes of this podcast twice a week you get every podcast on our network in full video form you get shorts clips interviews live streams it's all on our youtube channel we're at 433 subscribers as of this moment in time that we're recording on that road to 500 by the end of the month and of course on that road to 1k so go subscribe youtube.com slash at underground sports philadelphia and of course this show presented by the city of vineland and whether you are a company looking to expand relocate or you're a new business startup, selecting the right location is critical to your success. Vineland, New Jersey offers both an affordable business location and an excellent quality of life. The city's economic development department is a one-stop source for moving your project through the development and approval process. Their goal is to make this process as smooth as possible and to provide the fastest turnaround times in the region. If you are considering potential locations for your operation, contact the Vineland Economic Development Team at 856 856- Seven nine four four one zero zero. That's eight five six seven nine four forty one hundred. Finally, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Main Auto LLC, Security Twenty One Security Systems, Paul J Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland for their continued support of this podcast. What's going on, man? Living the dream. The Philadelphia Phillies have everybody all in a muck on the timeline, and. uh once again, we have to reiterate, you can't treat baseball season like it's football season. It's a slow start for the Phils. Lose the series today to the Marlins right before we started recording. They're 4-8, and eight, uh, but I do hate to inform everybody that last season when the Philadelphia Phillies went to the World Series, um, oh, that's right, they also started 4-8. and eight. Yeah, I don't know that firing the manager will be the, uh, <laughs> the move, but I do think it's yeah, you know, it's, it's important to recognize that uh, it's a very long season, of course. Um, I think you could uh, kind of argue both sides of this, though. You know, like, outside of, like, the Rangers and Yankees, you know, which you could say, just give a pass. We have not played the Rangers well, and they look pretty good, at least to, to this stage of the season. And the Yankees are, of course, always going to be a pretty tough uh, series. You know, the Reds was, like, a mixed bag, and that's a team that you expect, like, as, as the season goes along, it's going to be a team that you expect to – to win three out of four against for the most part, or even sweep the series. And I mean, the Marlins, we've never played well, of course, but um, a team that, again, you should be getting past and you have the the great first game against them against Sandy Alcantara of all yeah. people, of course, we are just his kryptonite somehow, uh, you know, drop a, a, a big one on their head. And it felt like maybe that was a, a little bit of a turnaround. You have uh, some disappointing games after that. And um, I, I think the inconsistency is a little 
I, I think what has most people frustrated, um, you know, you kind of seen a, li a little bit of this team at its worst and at its best. It's also important to remember that they obviously have a lot of injuries that they're dealing with. Right. And, you know, that's not going to go away. You know, obviously, Reese Hoskins going down right before the season, I think, threw a, a wrench in a lot of plans and, you know, don't have a lot to deal with there. And, you know, um, obviously, you know, you don't you don't have Ranger Suarez still for another few weeks. We all know, of course, about Bryce. But, you know, even just guys on the fringes, too, you know, um, you lose your, your backup to Reese Hoskins, right? And now you kind of have this, uh, which I don't think is the, the worst thing. Alec Bohm, you know, stationed at, at first base and Mundo Sosa getting some run out at, at third base, um, you know, a guy that, I think got a lot of praise in the playoffs for some, some definitely like a, a few very important moments and, and great moments. And he's had some good moments too mm -hmm. so far in this like very young season. Um, I think he's like played his way into the starting lineup at, at least, you know, most days of the week you can expect him to play. But yeah, I think it's a, it, it feels like the team is still kind of tinkering a little bit in some ways. And, you know, it also feels like, you know, outside of, Bryson Stott, Brandon Marsh, Alec Bohm. There's actually not been a lot of guys hitting very well either. You know, I think that's been a, a, a sense of frustration. You expect your young players maybe at the start of the season to struggle a little bit when you expect the Schwarpers and Trey Turners and JT Real Mutos to sort of carry the load. They've done that in like mixed parts, but you know, I think again, it, it's if you look at it, Bryson Stott has been our best player, <laughs> you know, through uh through 12 games, and um, that's not ideal. And I, I think that's maybe, you know, why I'm not so concerned because you, you know that these veteran guys are going to find their uh, their form pretty soon. Yeah, we talked about it Saturday at our, our live tailgate podcast, which thank you to everybody who came out and supported, uh, hopefully the, the first of many that we have. Um, we said, you know, it was going to be important for the, the daycare to help carry this team early on in the season, whether it was Bryson Stott, Alec Bohm, Brandon Marsh, uh, and, you know, in some of those days off that kind of seems like he may need Garrett Stubbs uh, playing in relief for JT. Um, you're going to need these young guys to step up because you can't always rely on that veteran presence to to be the end all be all for this team. And that's kind of what we've been begging and pleading for for years is for the Phillies to have young guys contribute to this team. And now you finally have it. And right now they're the only ones kind of contributing. Um I think the frustrating part, especially about today's game, that I just continued to see, and I, I think we saw it sat on Saturday when we were at the game, and we've seen it throughout this early start of the season, I just don't understand the Phillies' hitting approach to start the year. The The swinging at the first pitch thing is driving me absolutely insane. Like, if it's not, like, delivered to you on a silver platter tied in a bow right down the middle, get a feel for what the pitcher is giving to you, and, and don't give them an easy out or give them pitches to work with down the line. I feel like the, the Phillies are extending most of the, the pitchers that they're facing deeper into games because they're just not taking pitches. Yeah, I think there's there's three areas that I think the Phillies are. There's two that I think are very fixable, and it's it's what you just mentioned. Also, the base running. <laughs> very weird. That was, and that came back to really bite them in that Reds game that they ended up uh, blowing because Schorber had the weird rundown. Yep. There was a few other moments in Marsh, that game. Marsh, like ran through yeah, a stop it, sign at third base right there there's there's been a few moments like that and i don't know if that's a communication thing or what i have to assume that it is the i will say the shorber one you know i, I called him out but it was a great defensive play that, yeah. and you, you could see he kind of threw his off he's like fuck <laughs> <laughs> um you know but still you know that's that's a little frustrating and i, I think again you know um in a game like that where, where you ultimately lose it's hard to not think what if, you know, maybe that had gone a little differently. Um, I also think, too, you know, like just I, I think in, in general, like I, I kind of forgot what my third point was going to be. But I just think, oh, it's the the, the starting pitching has mm -hmm. not gone as deep into games as maybe you would have liked them to. Um, and I mean, that's a general trend in baseball in general. But, you know, getting four or five innings is not, you know, you want to be pushing you know, the six, seven mark. And yeah. I think, too, you know, we've we've seen some decent stuff out of our bullpen so far but you know we've also seen a guy like Dominguez right who we've depended a lot on you don't want to be pushing the gas on him very early in the year knowing that you have to get you know six more months out of him and you know keep it in this is a guy too that has definitely struggled for health at times in his career um you know you want to keep him kind of not bubble wrapped but you want to be like intentional with how you use him um Kimbrel has been like a mixed bag so far like that's just kind of been the story so far I think this season has just been a, a lot of inconsistency and 
um, you know, you hope that that sort of through the course of the season starts to, to kind of bend in your favor. Whereas right now it feels like things are going a little awry. Um, you know, maybe things sort of shape towards you as, as you get into like the warmer months. Yeah. And I mean, this, this Phillies team for the most part has been a team that typically starts slow and then picks it up as it gets warmer. Um, but it is a little concerning too, like you mentioned with the starting pitching, because you don't want to tax your bullpen as much as they have been early in the season. So that way, you know, down the line, your your bullpen is kind of limited as the season rolls along in terms of when you want to throw certain guys, how many innings are you kind of monitoring for certain players. I think we also have to realize that like this team's missing Reese Hoskins. They're missing Derek Hall, uh, who had surgery today. He's expected to be out two months, so you're not going to have Derek Hall back until about mid to late June maybe. They're missing Ranger Suarez, so they don't have their number three uh, starting pitcher in this rotation right now. And they're also missing the face of the franchise in Bryce Harper, who today was taking ground balls with a first base glove. And I feel like that might be hinting that Bryce maybe when he comes off the injured list could be seeing time at first base. I mean, it's not impossible because, you know, we obviously know that he was able to play last year so much because he couldn't throw a baseball. Um, I, I wonder about, I, I wonder so much about Bryce and, the timetable that he's on because obviously we're, they're not going to come out and, and tell us everything that they know. But, um, you know, the fact that he's taking batting practice and it feels like every you know game I watch or every like tidbit is like, well, Bryce was taking batting brand. Look at this. He's hitting bombs. And it's like, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, what, what, what does it mean that he's hitting, you know, home runs in April in batting practice? Like, should I be, excited about that you know like I, I it's so hard to place where he is on this like timetable to return we keep hearing late may i just i find that just so hard to believe like I, I really do like in my head i'm expecting early july you know like if we see him like the week before the all-star break i think that'd be great um that's just in my head mm -hmm. i don't know if that's what you know reality actually is but um yeah bryce you know and his impending return is, is definitely a big question mark um yeah i think in general too you know like this team is going to, I think, have to endure a little bit. I think we I think we knew that in the offseason. We kind of forgot that what that might mean, you know, that it might might suck. You know, mm -hmm. like it, it might suck at times and you might, you know, we don't have these guys. Again, like Reese, as, as much as I think he's been um, sort of negatively talked about over the years for, for some of his, his moments, um, has, especially during the regular season, been a huge asset to this team in terms of the kind of spark he gives you. He can, he can absolutely win you a series uh, when he gets hot. He's just like that, that kind of like thermonuclear of a, of a player. Um, and, you know, obviously not having Bryce, you know, th those are two big offensive pieces that, you know, in the past few seasons have gotten you through. How many times mm -hmm. had we talked about Bryce, like Bryce is just unplayable right now, you know, and, and is just carrying us through. Reese is just in one of his, you know, week and a half, two week stints where it's like he just hits everything. is like a 1200 OPS, you know, like it's just the, both those guys were capable of that and not having them. Reese obviously it, it's likely the whole season, um, but Bryce not for, for a few months at least. Like, that can't be discounted. You know, like, I think it gets exhausting mentioning that every time we talk about this team, but, um, you know, those are two big losses. But, I mean, the whole division, I feel like even the whole division is struggling with injuries, too. So, mm -hmm. it's not even just the Phillies, you know, and and, and what they're facing. You know, it's, it's a lot of the, the teams in our own division are also having trouble keeping guys in the field. Um, doesn't matter. You got to win, you know, and that's, that's the important thing. You know, you, you got to see the results turn around. Um, you know, it's one thing to say, like, you know, we got to be patient, but you know, I, I can think too of when we got to the, the late stages of last season, we were like, we were looking at early season losses. Like if we just did not you know, play like, the Mets already, already, I think you have two losses that I think mm -hmm. you'll look back on and be a little pissed off at, yep. at, at the end of the year, uh, that, that reds, uh, collapse and, and you can either pick yes, last night against the Marlins or today against the Marlins. Yeah. Like we should have had, you know, two, two games already. I think that that should have been flipped and that's that's frustrating yeah and i think the the other thing to take away from this right now is it's still only 12 games and the braves are leading the division at eight and four that's not an insurmountable lead in april it's not like it's september and you're four games back um and then the rest of the division outside of the Braves, like the Mets are one game over 500 and then everybody else is under 500 so it's you know the entire division's off to kind of a, a mid start to the season so far. And you're still kind of like a lot of people are bringing up to the, the mentioning of Rob Thompson, when he's talking about the starting pitching this year, 
so far, it feels like they didn't ramp them up enough in spring training. It's definitely possible. You know, and I think that was also a concern with, like, so many guys being at the World Baseball Classic. You know, like, I I just wonder if there's maybe, you know, like your, your normal routines for mm-hmm. everyone, too. You know, not even just the guys that were there. I wonder if maybe there's a little bit of a, a hangover in that sense. It's hard to say, though. Like, it's always, you know, that's that's something that, you know, even I, I think someone who's, like, following on the beat would never yeah. you know, fully get to tap into, right? Like, that's only something I think guys just feel with their own, like, rhythm and confidence and, and, like, the most intimate coaching staff would know. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with the the pitching and everything. The other update with Bryce Harper is that um, Rob Thompson said that it feels like he could go on a minor league rehab assignment right now. They're just kind of waiting to see if he has the ability to slide. Um, You know, with the elbow issues, seeing how – Everything feels comfort-wise. You know, when he was fielding ground balls today, he still had the the robotic, uh, you know, contraption on his arm to kind of keep it level and in place. That is a, a huge step, especially, you know, base running-wise with Bryce and how aggressive we've known him to be uh, on the base pass. So I think that's the next step in determining what his timeline truly is, is when he feels comfortable sliding on the base paths. That's, I think, the next step uh, to figuring out when – a minor league rehab assignment happens, and then when the potential return date is for Bryce Harper. Well, you, I, I, I tell you this: you don't have to worry about base running if you hit a home run every time. That's so. true. Um, I think some of these guys too that were at the World Baseball Classic, you can kind of tell the World Baseball Classic, the World Series, kind of just fatigue is still there early on this year. JT just does not look like himself. Uh, he's swinging at the first pitch almost every time he's up to bat. And it doesn't help that, you know, Garrett Stubbs seems like he's dealing with a hamstring issue as well. And then Tywan Walker, while he's pitching well, he's not getting deep into games. He was part of the World Baseball Classic. And I'm not blaming that. That's just something you have to account for early in the season. And you look at Aaron Nolan, Zach Wheeler, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Ranger Suarez, all of those guys going deep into the postseason, into November for the first time in all of their careers. Uh, It's going to pay a toll on your body and you're going to have to find a way to bounce back from that. And that's my kind of explanation for their early season struggles as well as some of these guys had never gone that far into a season in their careers. And now they're just kind of getting ramped back up and used to kind of the fatigue that's hitting them now. Yeah. I, I, again, I I think it's, um, it's always hard for us to say, but I, I think, you know, I'm not hitting panic buttons just yet because I think in the back of your mind, like, yeah, that it seems reasonable that that could be a, a, a reason why things are not shaking uh, the right way just yet. And Matt, as we always do, uh, <laughs> let's take a look, you know, 12 uh, games into the season, the NL East run differential brought to you by our amazing merch partners over at PHI Apparel Company. Uh, PHI Apparel Co. provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of Philadelphia and Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast listeners. All of our podcast exclusive merch is on PHI Apparel Co.'s website. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd at your tailgates, at the Wells Fargo Center, Citizens Bank Park, Subaru Park, wherever you may be, you're going to stand out in the crowd with the unique designs from PHI Apparel Company. And our listeners can use promo code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all apparel orders when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your order. Matt, the NL East run differential 12 games into the season is quite the ugly sight. Only one team uh, sitting above the negative marker right now, and that is the first place Atlanta Braves at a plus nine. The New York Mets hovering right at the the Mendoza line at negative one. Uh, The Phillies helping contribute to the Marlins being below them, even though they're ahead of them in the standings. Marlins at a negative 26. Your Philadelphia Phillies, everybody, at a negative 15. And the stolen franchise Washington Nationals at a negative 18. Did make up a little bit of ground, you know that that big win over the Marlins definitely pushes things in your your favor a little bit, but uh, you know, <laughs> not where you want to be. Not where you want to be, and you kind of look at the rest of Major League Baseball too, like the Milwaukee Brewers right now, uh, leading the entire National League in run differential at plus twenty four, 
And then in the NL Central, the only other team with a positive uh, run differential is the Chicago Cubs at plus 10. And then uh, the NL West, the Dodgers at a plus 19, and the Padres and Giants both at a plus 2. So the NL kind of off to a bit of a slow start in terms of run production. And the only teams that are kind of up and above uh, everybody else, you know, they reside in the American League. It's the New York Yankees at a plus 28. And then the hottest team in baseball, the 11-0 and Tampa Bay Rays at a plus 63. As a man who drafted three Tampa Bay Ray pitchers in my fantasy baseball, I am feeling like a genius. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they've they've been really Unreal. impressive uh, to start the year. So um, they seem to have captured some of that, <laughs> that Rays devil magic that, <laughs> that still lurks somewhere in Tampa Bay. Entire AL East at a positive run differential, though, so far this season. Like I mentioned Rays and Yankees there, Toronto at a plus two, Baltimore at a plus four, and then Boston at a plus six, Minnesota's at a plus 15, and then the rest of the AL Central's negative. And then uh, Texas, the Angels, and the Astros all positive, while Seattle and Oakland are negative. Right now, I believe it is, yes, it's the Oakland A's who have the worst run differential in all baseball at a minus 53. Like I mentioned uh, in our season preview episode, if you fade the athletics this year, you're going to win a lot of money um, because they are just not a good baseball team. And I think the one decision they got right was uh, trading the Phillies Christian Pache. Yeah, he had a, he had a few bright moments o- over the weekend. Um, it's obviously been like a mixed start for him, but I think there's just like some sh- signs of life there. You know, that's a, that's kind of what you want out of what is essentially a flyer, you know, like at, at, at the very real sense. So, um you know, we'll see. We'll see how his his time develops. I know there's a lot of talks of him hitting waivers and hopefully clearing them, and that's how he returns to the Phillies, right? But um, yeah, there's there's a uh, we got some sparks at least. Yeah, not the not the best at bat in the uh, bottom of the tenth inning today. Kind of swung at the first pitch and popped it right up. Um, Phillies did get their rings on Sunday, their National League Championship rings, which was a hot debate in the streets. Uh, and by the streets, I mean the Twitter timeline of people being either extremely against the Phillies getting their rings in public or these rings are sick, good for the Phillies getting them. I kind of lean in that camp. You won an entire league. I don't care if the American League and National League aren't you know, what they once were. You still were the best team in your league. You deserve to get recognized for it. The people who are saying you know, it's a, it's a runner-up ring, it's a loser's ring, you just don't like fun. I'm fully convinced you just don't enjoy life. Uh, the rings were sweet, and uh, it was really cool, too. The Phillies got their rings on Easter, and uh, AAA has the day off for Easter, and they, the Phillies invited the select guys that were on the roster for an enough amount of time uh, to be at the ring ceremony, which was pretty cool. And uh, one Scott Kingery got quite the uh, ovation. Yeah, it's, I think it's cool, you know, to, to do that. And, you know, obviously, you know, we could talk about maybe celebrating a little bit too much, but I think it's worth celebrating. And I think it's worth, um, I think it's nice too, you know, like so many guys within the organization, like they, they handed out like over 60 uh, rings to, to players, which guys like are aware of that. You know, like when you talk about like organizations taking care of players and like celebrating them and like that stuff matters, you know, like it just does, you know, like. I can remember there was that NFL survey of like players like talking yeah. about like the shit matters to players. You know, like it's not I ultimately you know, like money is important and, and for some guys too, like winning is important. But ultimately, I think for most people, it's money, which is fair, like it's a job. Um, but I think like stuff on the, the margins like this, like the culture and like the fact that, yeah, you have an owner that's willing to like <laughs> throw down a crap ton of money and celebrate you and the fans will like be there to celebrate you too, like for achievements is like that matters that I think that really does. And so I think it's, I think it's good. I think it's, you know, life is too short and mm-hmm. you're not guaranteed anything like celebrate the wins that you get. Um, even if you know, maybe other people say that it's a little over the top or a little ridiculous. Like, I think it's, it's totally fine to take a moment to recognize like last season was really special. It was a lot of fun. You know, we, we just do not get moments like that in sports in general, but also the Phillies in their history have not, <laughs> there's not a regular thing for them. Um, yes. So yeah, it's, it's worth it. And I love the, uh, any team, whether it's an actual championship ring or, you know, you won your league, you won your conference ring. I love the breakdown of everything that goes into it. The attention to detail, 
so Matt, the Phillies Liberty Bell logo that's on the front of the ring, there's uh, 0.82 carats of sapphire in the Liberty Bell to represent the 82 Phillies hits through the NLCS. Uh, there's an emerald cut. Uh, emerald cut white diamonds are set in a brick pattern to pay homage to the architectural elements of Citizens Bank Park. Uh, and there are 96 diamonds in the champions that is underneath for National League champions to represent the 96 total wins through the NLCS. Uh, and a row of 63 rubies circling the side of the ring to represent the total number of players receiving a National League championship ring. And then on the inside, because the ring, this is the new thing, I think, uh, with all types of, you know, championship uh, rings. They either open up or they flip up, and there's an inside to them. Uh, there's a leather inlay with the NL Championship trophy uh, inlaid into a piece of leather from a game-used baseball from Game 5 of the NLCS. The player name is framed uh, inside a silhouette of signage found throughout Citizens Bank Park. The player number is in rubies, and it's set on a background of brick pattern to pay homage to the elements of Citizens Bank Park. And then the team song, Dancing on My Own, is also uh, on the ring. And then inside of the Citizens Bank Park seating bowl, along with the Philadelphia's iconic skyline and Independence Hall, there's kind of a, a layout of Citizens Bank Park. And the number 45,485 is on the inside, which is the total sellout crowd for Game 5 of the NLCS. And then in the seats that go along the third base, behind home plate, and first base lines, says Bedlam at the Bank, obviously uh, coined by Scott Fransky uh, on that broadcast there when Harper hit that home run. The ring's beautiful. Um, it's unreal. It has, you know, the, the series... Uh, finishing games and losses uh from each team that the Phillies beat on their way to the World Series and uh it looked like every player had their own like kind of iconic nameplate on the box too uh Jose Alvarado posted his on his Instagram and on the front of it said strike one strike two good luck um very awesome rings and like you said like this kind of like is a it's a small token of appreciation from an owner and that goes a long way for helping other guys want to come play here. I'm sure, you know, you heard it in Trey Turner's introductory press conference. He said watching the Phillies and their home crowd during the postseason played a part in why he decided to sign here. Stuff matters. It all matters. So it, it truly matters. And like you said, life's too short. And if you don't like this, you just don't like fun. Um, so congrats to everybody that got their rings. Gene Segura got his this week uh, when the Marlins came to town as well, which was really cool. Gene got a standing ovation from the Phillies fans, and uh, Phillies looking to get right. Four games on the road against Cincinnati upcoming, along with three on the road against the Chicago White Sox, and uh, prime opportunity to bounce back here. You know, four against the Reds, a team that you've seen, so you have a little bit of, you know, film on them. You'll probably see some of the pictures you saw when you were at home, and then another interleague series. Uh, against the White Sox before you come back home to play the Rockies. So kind of a get-right situation now for the Phils as uh, the middle of April hits the schedule. Yeah, um, I, uh, you know, the the Red Series is going to be a good opportunity to, I think, uh, get yourself back on track. And, um, you know, they, they gave us some good uh, some good games, though. You know, like I, I think obviously they're a team that I think come August, you know, will, <laughs> will be a little different. But, um, you know, at least at the beginning of the season, you see teams that, probably aren't going to, you know, be scratching, you know, mid seventies for wins or something like that. Uh, still being very competitive. hundred percent. Uh, and Matt, as we go from the baseball diamond to the basketball court, it's brought to you by our new partners over at wasted wedge because the Philadelphia 76ers sure know how to drive us to drink. <laughs> wasted they wedge. They know how to waste years of prime. Joel and <laughs> Uh, they want to put a wedge between them and the <laughs> citizens of Philadelphia. Waste and Wedge, our new partners, they were part of our live tailgate podcast as well. Big shout out to them there. Uh, and Matt, a new age of golf has arrived. And if you're looking to be the talk and envy of your group and create memories with your friends and family, look no further than the lineup of Wasted Wedge products and merchandise. These Wasted Wedges are a blast to drink shots out of on and off the course. 
You guys can check them out at wastedwedge.com or find them at Wasted Wedge on Instagram and Facebook. Remember the name, wastedwedge.com. Big thank you to them for uh, sponsoring the show. Wasted Wedge, more shots, more fun. Their product is super cool. Had a bunch of people come up to us uh, at the tailgate like, where'd you get that golf club and everything? It's Wasted Wedge, baby. They're the best in the game. Big thank you to them for uh, sponsoring today's show. Matt, the uh, first round of Sixers 2023 postseason schedule is set against the Brooklyn Nets. Everything gets underway 1 o'clock p.m. on Saturday. Game 2 on Monday at 7.30. Game 3 on Thursday, April 20th at 7.30 in Brooklyn. Game 4, Saturday, April 22nd, 1 o'clock p.m. Game five to be determined if necessary. It'll probably be necessary. Probably. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's it's it, an interesting time. I think I think we all mentally, whether we want to admit it or not, kind of expect that the team gets to their nets without too many issues. I can remember a net series in the first round a few years ago where we lost the first game and everyone was panicked, and yeah. then it was a nice gentleman sweep um, afterward. And um, I'm not going to say this is the exact situation, right? But, um, you know, I, 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 the Sixers should absolutely be coming out of this series. You know, I, I, I don't feel like this should be a series that they lose. But, you know, I, I think the Nets can certainly take a game or two off of, uh, you know, you think even back to the Raptors series last year, um, you know, and, and the, the Sixers were not able to, to put them away as, as comfortably as you maybe would have liked. Ultimately, they did. But I think there are, there are two obvious, very clear kind of ideas or narratives or, or approaches coming in into these playoffs and what you're thinking about, what you're talking about is obviously Embiid. Um, it seems like, you know, and just like the way people have tabulated the MVP votes, it seems like it's trending towards Embiid uh, winning his first MVP. That's great. Um, that comes though with its extra set of expectations and pressures that, you know, are just, they are what they are. Right. Um, and then it's obviously Harden. You know, he's a guy that, I think has been bemoaned over the years for his, you know, playoff performance and his ability to really like thrive in the the crucial parts of the game. Um, he's not he's not typically been the guy um, to like take over series necessarily. Like he's had good performances here and there, but like largely speaking, has not been as impactful as you want him to be. And so I, I'm curious to see what that looks like this season because he's obviously taken a much more playmaking role and obviously had a great year in, in that regard. And I'm curious to see how that goes. Um, you know, I, I think the net series is kind of the tune up. We all know that we're sort of hurtling towards a Celtic second round series. And that I think I'm saying that my hands are getting a little sweaty just thinking about that. But, you know, I, I think for me, it's, it's, it is about, it is so much about these playoffs is getting out of the second round. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, you know, the, the MVP, all, all these things are, are great. And I, I like that Embiid is going to likely get like, acknowledged individually but you know we obviously have the Harden potentially leaving this summer thing sort of still lingering and you wonder too if Harden leaves if it be looks around and says I want an MVP here I did everything individually I can do not sure yeah I'm not trying to be like doom and gloom but you know like this is this is kind of what's at stake with this playoff run you know and this could be the last time that you see this team assembled this way um and there, there could be a big shakeup, you know, if things don't go right. You know, we see that all the time at sports. So hopefully it's not, but yeah, there's some some pretty big stakes here. Well, to add to your point there, uh, Woj said on, I believe, SportsCenter or around the whatever the NBA show is now on ESPN that uh, if the Sixers don't get out of the second round, there are big looming ramifications. Uh, and our good friend uh, <laughs> Trill Bro, dude, uh, said that they are going to execute Franklin the dog, <laughs> <laughs> which you know what? Fair. I think. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think that that might have to be the move. Yeah, I, it's um, I, you know, and there's there's ramifications for everyone, right? Like it's not just the Sixers, right? But I mean, this is a team that is has frankly spun its wheels over the yeah. last few years in the playoffs, and it, it becomes very frustrating. It's frustrating as a fan, and I'm sure it's even frustrating as a player, um, especially if someone in beats caliber, like. Tobias Harris like wets the bed again you know that has to be frustrating mm -hmm. it just does I you know so <laughs> it's all going to be about too you know obviously how Doc handles this series like that's been obviously a a weak point in years past and you know we'll see if 
if he not getting a, a viable backup center at the deadline comes back to haunt the Sixers at all. Who knows? Um, you know, I'm curious to see what kind of the bench rotations will look like. Um, you know, but they, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun watch. You know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to the Nets series just to see them. You know, sort of in this more like higher stakes environment and how they perform because they have risen to that occasion a lot, especially the first round. The Sixers have largely been very dominant in the first round over the last few years, um, but. We all know where the the gravy has to be made this year. And that is that is once you you move on from your your Wizards, your Raptors, your Nets, all those teams. And Matt, I have uh I have the spreadsheet of the MVP votes, the voters, and where their votes are going. Uh, from Max Crows, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. If it's not, I apologize. On Twitter at Crowsfire, um, he has been compiling literally everything. Uh, to track the MVP. Um, like you mentioned, it does seem like Joel is on his way to winning <laughs> what is fittingly the most controversial NBA MVP uh, award in recent memory and potentially ever. Um, some standouts, though, that surprised me. I don't know if you've seen the entire list or not. Um, after going to bat for him for what seems like the past couple of years, and seemed like he was endearing himself after being a Boston Celtic and, you know, being the Joel Embiid guy in the national media space. Kendrick Perkins has uh, become the villain. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's strange, yeah, because he's really been beating the Embiid drum a lot. Um, I don't think a vote for Giannis is like a, what are you thinking, vote? You know, like, I, I yeah. just think, to me... I, <laughs> It was the most efficient scoring year, like in just an, an extreme way. He's done this back-to-back -back scoring titles now, and you know he's the best player on this team, and has has led them. You know, all, having like competed so well on both ends of the floor. You could say very similar to Giannis, but I think Embiid has done this in a offensively much mm -hmm. more impressive way. And the fact that Embiid, his surrounding cast is not as strong as like two the, the two other candidates, in my opinion. Like I don't agree. The roster surrounding Embiid is as good as Giannis has, and I don't think it's as good as Jokic has. And I think all those things have to be taken in, into consideration. That's just my two cents. I've tried to like stay away from the MVP debate because it's just it's exhausting. Yeah. You know, like it just is, and you know, people are, people have made up their minds already about you know who should or should not be MVP. All those things. Um, so I don't know. You know, I I feel like I said that maybe like a month and a half or two months ago, like if I was a Bucks fan, I'd be pissed that Jokic is going to be on his way to a third trade MVP, you know, like it, when it was so overwhelmingly, mm -hmm. they, when it was there, they really set straw poll, which was like, yeah. I think in maybe like early February, that was like 77% of the vote was going to Jokic. It's like, that's just insane. I mean, that's just crazy talk like that. They are so, he was not that much no. better. Like the, the race was much closer. And I, you know, again, I, I think I think it's fair, but uh, it, it does look like Embiid is, is sort of trending in a good direction, which yes. is great. He deserves it. He deserves to have this should be his second, but correct. Um, he he deserves it. The uh, not the, an all star starter though somehow. Right. <laughs> the non MVP votes going towards Joel Embiid come from the following people, like we mentioned, Kendrick Perkins, who seemed like the biggest Joel Embiid guy, uh, gives his vote to Giannis, and it feels like the true reason Perk switched his vote is because of Embiid sitting out that game against the Nuggets, which is which so stupid. primarily is Jokic not his decision multiple either. Multiple games after. Yeah. Like, not that he voted for Jokic, but it's like, right. what are we doing? Like, they all pretty much played roughly the same amount of games. Yep. They were in, all within, like, two or three games. It's not like someone played 80 games and right. so you're the other two someone were, like, 65 42. and 61. Like, no. Like, these guys yeah. all played almost exactly the same amount of games. Uh, the next non-Embiid first-place voter is Michael Pina from The Ringer. Shocker there. He voted for Jokic. Um, Kevin Pelton from ESPN uh, voted for Jokic as well. Bill Ryder from CBS Sports uh, voted for Giannis. The next one that kind of surprised a lot of people too, and I feel like has finally opened the eyes to a lot of people that this guy just sucks, and the reason that the Sixers didn't get out of the second round for quite some time uh, was because of this guy. One J.J. Redick is voting for Giannis, and his reasoning was even stupider. When you claim to, to be 
best friends with Joel Embiid. And you want to talk about the, the playoff runs and the grinds that you went on with him while you were in Philadelphia. And then just completely flip your your argument to being Giannis was the best player on the best team. This, that, and the third. J.J. Redick is such a buffoon. And I hope people realize that now. Yeah, he's a, uh, you know, it's not a, <laughs> he's not someone I look back on like, man, I wish we had J.J. Redick. <laughs> uh, cue the killers uh, yeah. coming out of my cage, feeling yeah. just fine. <laughs> uh, Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated voting for Giannis. Chris Fedor from Cleveland.com voting for Jokic. Uh, of course, public enemy number one, I think, in Philadelphia is the one and only Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer. Uh, voting for Giannis, he just does not like Philadelphia. Um, it's weird because he was like very high on the Sixers right. at times. Like he, I, I remember listening. He picked the Sixers actually to be the top seed. Picked them to have like over sixty win, and he actually wasn't wrong in his reasoning. Like if Harden and Embiid had actually played and been healthy the whole season, like the pace that they're on, like he felt like this team could be the best regular season team in all of the NBA, mm-hmm. which like they really weren't that far off from being. Um, Again, this is where I think I think it's tough when you talk about between Giannis and Embiid. Like I don't, it's it's the same way I felt last year. Where, like I didn't feel anyone was like head and shoulders above everyone, and I don't necessarily feel that way either. But like Embiid is a very strong case. He had a very strong case last year, and I think what's bullshit is that two years ago when Embiid did have the number one seed, right. and also had a very strong year, he just got completely overlooked. It's yep. like okay, well like. You can't constantly change your criteria. This is what pissed me off about the Ben Simmons not winning Defensive Player of the Year, too, where it's like, well, a big man being defensive is so much more important than that center. And then fucking Marcus Smart, who probably wasn't even the best defender on the Celtics, wins it because he's such a great perimeter defender. And it's like, that was the reason that Ben Simmons didn't win it the year before. Like, the goalposts are constantly shifted yeah. on these. And it, it does turn into an error, but I, I don't want to say it dilutes the award because the MVP is still the MVP. Mm-hmm. Like it still matters. But, like, it does kind of get into BS mode, you know, sometimes where it's like, okay, well, like, two years ago, that didn't matter, and now all of a sudden it matters. And so it I feels like, like this is the only sport that it gets this way. Yes, and it gets very contentious, and I think it's because this sport more than so many others, because there's so – the impact is so much greater of having one great player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have, I think, this – you know, it's kind of, like, phenomenon now, too, where, like, you know, and there's – I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with this, so to speak, but where, like, you have fans that follow specific players. Yeah. And I think people get very, very focused on, like, their guy and uh, get tunnel vision for their guy. And, um, you know, I I think that becomes a challenge sometimes. Uh, Mike Singer from the Denver Post obviously voted for Jokic. Uh, And then Jeff Zilgit from USA Today also voted for Jokic. Um, I think the interesting part is the ones that give Embiid a third place vote, uh, which was one Bill Ryder. Um, seems like he is the only one so far confirmed to be giving Embiid a third place vote. Um, but I also think the, the contentious part about the NBA MVP too is like, the, for lack of a better term, the, the nerds infiltrated the NBA more so than any sport that is in the the major four sports. And they just want to find ways to break it down to, like, its smallest atom, like it's the human body. And sometimes you can't do that. Sometimes you actually have to watch the games. And I feel like some of these guys uh, that we mentioned here, not saying they don't, but some of these guys, it feels like they don't even watch the games. And they're just simply, like, stat box watching. Um <laughs> To determine, you know, their stances, their their points that they want to make. Um, so it is kind of frustrating from that standpoint. It also kind of surprised me that uh, Bill Simmons and Ryan Rossillo voted for Joel Embiid. It's also hilarious because Giannis only played 63 games this year. And going forward with the new CBA, he won't actually be eligible. <laughs> so that's interesting. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I just think, um, I think like especially with like the lo- a lot of the advanced stats around Jokic like skew so heavy towards him because the way that these advanced stats are built out is that a center getting assists is like a compounding exponential like force mm-hmm. that makes him and not to say Jokic isn't an impactful player like I right. think Jokic is a very good player like and is deserved to be in MVP discussion over like like he, he hasn't 
it's not like undeserved by Jokic, right? But I think there has been this like over over reliance on like the the the, these advanced stats Mm -hmm. and they and they do allow you to see game like the game in a different way and players in a different way and like you can find value in those but i do think it has become i don't want to call it lazy because it's not necessarily it's become a crutch i think in arguments to like bring up and it's like i just don't know that that's as relevant as some other very basic simple things Mm -hmm. like how many points is he scoring? <laughs> it's literally I, I, the what? What? What is his field goal percentage? How efficiently is he doing that? How? Like I don't know. Like I just think those things matter. You know, like I, I think your overall game matters. All three of these players I think have fantastic overall games. Um, I just think Embiid has been the best of them this year, and I, I don't think that's that crazy to say. Um, and I, I think all three of them are a lot of fun to watch. Um, in, in just like different ways, but. I just think that yeah, it's it's been MBG. That's 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 it. It's literally the uh, advanced stat nerds. That boy nice. Yes. Like sometimes you have to be that boy nice season. Um, but yeah, hopefully the uh, the Sixers uh, take care of business in round one, and they did the unthinkable. James Harden leads the league in assists. Joel yeah. Embiid leads the league in scoring. I couldn't remember. I don't think that had ever happened. I know when we I looked it they up. They said... I think in the 70s. Yeah, there was I think a, it was 78, was 79 was the last time it Cause happened. Because we, we... That was, like, in play, you know, like, a, halfway through the season. I, I remember us discussing, like, the possibility of that. And, like, it just has not happened. Has not happened, like... Not even just modern NBA. Like, <laughs> like the 70s, they were still smoking at halftime, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so, yeah, like, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very rare thing to have two players, like be so good <laughs> um at, at those things uh within the same court and that that gives you the ceiling that the sixers do have you know it's and it's it's about reaching that potential yeah i'm gonna pull it up here i forget who the uh the teammates were but they are uh yeah they're the first pair of teammates to win the scoring title and assist title in the same season since george gervin and johnny moore 1981 1982 george george gervin and johnny moore <laughs> Not quite, uh, not quite like <laughs> Theophilus Buxton of, uh, you know, like, <laughs> like the the old baseball names. Well, we get, but. I do have an old baseball name because I, I meant to bring this up when we were talking about the Phillies. Bryson Stott, uh, obviously, Bucket like we Cleaver, for- <laughs> off to quite the start of the season uh, for the Fightins, has a twelve game hitting streak uh, to begin the year. He is the first. Phillies player to have a 12 game hit streak to start the season since 1950. Uh, Matt, can you name the player in 1950 who had a 12 game hitting streak to start the season for um, the Phils? <laughs> Bottleneck Jones. <laughs> Pretty close. Uh, Willie Puddenhead Jones. <laughs> wow. You gotta love it. Adds, I love that. That's the list that, that was like, that might be a nickname. That might also have been his legal middle yeah. name. It's, it's very likely that uh, it's very possible. And it is put in with an apostrophe, no G. Well, of course. I mean, that's uh, you have to be grammatically correct. That is spectacular. I think Chase Utley was on that list as well. As like, uh, yeah, he was one of them. Pat Burrell was on that list for, I believe, 10 or 11 yeah. games. So, you, Well, if you have the chance to join the list of Pat Burrell, Chase Utley, and Puddinhead Jones, you got to had quite a long career putting head Jones did 1947 and 1961 That's played with uh, the Phillies for the majority of his career went to Cleveland for a year and then finished with Cincinnati uh, let's see what his uh, career stats were uh, not a bad career war for a guy back then 24.8 career war okay uh, 1500 hits 190 home runs put him in the hall I heard enough. 258 batting average 40 stolen bases. Not too shabby for the 40s, 50s, and 60s. I can tell you. I can tell you. He's got a case. And it makes sense why his nickname was uh, Puddinhead. He was born in Dillon, South Carolina. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Gotta love it. Add it to the list. Uh, Matt, the Philadelphia Union are uh, back underway, and it's brought to you by our friends over at W Energy, who are trying to just clean up your energy game, make it better. 
uh, and they are going to war on big energy because they were tired of big energy favoring profits over quality. And W is formulated to give you focus and energy with no jitters or crash. Their formula contains vitamins, amino acids, and nootropics, including the patented NeuroFactor, which has been proven to improve brain performance by up to 143%. W contains no calories, no sugar, no maltodextrin fillers, and no artificial colors. And their anniversary is coming up at the end of the week, April 15th. They have a new big surprise dropping on their website that you won't want to miss. So you guys can clean up your energy game and check out all the flavors they have in stock, which is pretty much everything across the board. Go to w.gg and use code UNDERGROUND. You get 10% off any and all orders from our friends over at W. They also just released W Desk Mouse Pads uh, that are extra large. as a black uh, camo one and then a Cherry Blossom Skyline one. They look really nice, so you can improve your uh, your setups and everything. But go to w.gg, start cleaning up your energy game with code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your order. Matt, the Union back at it. Champions League still in the mix. And uh, tonight, 10 o'clock, they could be moving on. Yeah, uh, down in uh, Guadalajara, <laughs> as it was. And uh, across in Guadalajara, too, I should should definitely say. Um yeah, they haven't been a team that has gone on the road very often and won. Um, have not won an away match in their last seven, so it's a big test. You know, they go there with a one nil advantage, which is uh, a huge boost to them. You know, they they rested at the weekend too, and obviously lose to Cincinnati, which is is frustrating. But you know, you have a fixture like this in mind, a lot of travel, and um, you know, again, just a, a big atmosphere, and with the hopes that you get to the semifinals, where you know, kind of get a nice draw maybe and then get find your way to a champions league final and that's that's just a big deal so um yeah it's it's obviously a, a huge game and i think you know th- we talked a little bit last time about this team might have it's kind of might be side-eyeing a little bit the champions league and that might you know be a kind of a a cause for some of the early season struggles i think it was definitely very much the case over the weekend you saw um a, a lot of guys be rested and a lot of rotation and um I, I thought Cincinnati just really outclassed the union in that game um but you know it it adds a little bit of pressure to I think when you rotate like that you know you really have to get your performance right uh tonight it's strange like I said because the Champions League has been you know where this team has looked the best so far this year where we've seen I think two of their best games uh so far have been in 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 CONCACAF Champions League so um it's it's a big test against Atlas and you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to waking up tomorrow and seeing uh, what happens because um, I love them, but I'm just – I don't have the capacity to 10 say 10 o'clock. 10 on a weekday is tough. That is a tough ask uh, for us, um, but I, I think they have the uh, they have the capability. Again, when you have the one-nil advantage, um, that is that is a nice little comfort uh, zone to get in and, you know, perhaps uh, have a, a decent shot at, at progressing here. On the road again this weekend, too, uh, at Chicago – and then they come back home to end the month of April on the 22nd uh, against Toronto before uh, their May schedule looks like this. They're on the road against the New York Red Bulls, on the road against Colorado, uh, on the road against D.C. United. I'm sorry, they're home against D.C. United, and then uh, home against New England, and then on the road against NYC FC. And then they finish the month of May uh, at home against Charlotte. So their month of May schedule, kind of a mixed bag there seeing some opponents that you haven't seen yet this year, some repeats. Um, this team, too, it feels like they're kind of like the Phillies in a sense lately where as the weather gets warmer, they get better. Um, so hopefully that's the case in the month of May for the Union. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, we saw it again last year where they had a slower start and built up momentum. I think the, the midfield is really the problem to, to be focusing on. Um, you know, that and and I think also too when you get Kai Wagner back, you know I, I think that that's a big uh, component that's missing here, um, that maybe has gone a little undermentioned. Um, and yeah, I, I think once you get 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 him back, maybe find your your rhythm again in the midfield and um, maybe make some adjustments. I think this team is in a much better way. And uh, as we always do, Matt, end the show for the for the true fans out there. Survivor season forty four, and we have Survivor news this week that uh, kind of made its way across the socials. Uh, we'll start with that. Survivor Season 45 looks like it is uh, rumored to be 90-minute runtimes going into next season. Wanted to get your thoughts on that. That would be the season upcoming in the fall. Um, 
So 90-minute Survivor episodes potentially on the horizon for season 45. Makes me wonder one thing, if maybe it's a return or – you know, 45, you know, you like the – you know, the, the kind of the, – the rounded numbers. We like mm-hmm. to go by fives especially and by tens especially. Um, so I wonder if maybe there's a, something a little special about the season. I've kind of wanted the extra half hour for a long time because I think it gives you that much more understanding of what's going on. And the game is so much faster now, too, where I think it can be easy to lose sight of, like, strategy and who's who's with who, who's talking with who. And, um, you know, it also gives you a little more time just to get to know them a little bit better as, like, people. And, you know, that kind of makes you care a little more about, you know, them getting voted out or staying on or winning eventually. Um, I've always felt, you know, like, they could even package it. You know, we obviously have like the Paramount Plus extension and things like that. Before that, you had like the Ponderosa videos and stuff. Like, I always felt that there was like definitely a like a place where, especially for people who really wanted that extra yeah. stuff, that you could always like cut together like 20 minutes of stuff. And like, you always have the, I think they still do it. I, the secret scene, I don't know if that's still a yeah. thing. Um, I can't remember like seeing that actually in the last few seasons. Maybe I just haven't looked hard enough, but. Um, you know, like people would like go crazy and there's like two minutes, of, like, yeah. nothing, you know? And I, I think there's always been kind of an, an appetite for that. So, um, it's obviously tough, you know, like when you're on a big network, you know, there's a lot of other big shows that, you know, that they're also pushing and, you know, it's hard to like worm your way through and, and get that extra time. But, um, I'm glad, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm hopeful that too, you know, it kind of leads to like seeing a little bit more of the strategy play out and, and feel like you're, you're actually like in on the stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see if that truly is the case. Uh, we tweeted the article uh, from at Buffs and Snuffs on Twitter, so definitely go check that out. But our Buffs and Snuffs Survivor 44 uh, episode breakdown brought to you by our friends over at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. Guys, the sun is out. Got to protect your eyeballs when you're outside. And when you're watching Survivor, protect your eyes with their blue light plus glasses. Uh, they're the best in the game. It's an affordable product. for a fra- like, It's a fraction of the price of those big name eyewear companies and it's it's high quality product that you're getting that is even better than those big name brands uh their sunglasses their blue light glasses they have prescription lenses and they're also partnered with the survivor legend tyson apostle uh so jump on board with tomahawk shades and when you go to checkout use our promo code usp at tomahawkshades.com for 25 percent off your order so you're already getting a quality product at an affordable price we're giving it to you for an even bigger fraction of that price with promo code USP for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. Matt, the merge has come and gone. The new buffs look exquisite. Uh, And Josh is voted out at Tribal Council. My second fantasy survivor player to to bite the dust. Um, That was a tough one. Felt like he just... He felt like he lied a little in, in ways that you didn't have to lie about. I would like to, to just say this to anyone who's going on the show and has, like, what we deem to be an oppressive career. Just say your career. You don't yeah. have to lie. It, like, And the lie he told, too, was so strange to Jam Jam and Caroline where he's like, oh, I, like, was going to medical school or, like, I'm in medical school or something, like, and and I didn't, like, that was too hard. Like, I don't, it, like, why, what are you doing? Like, just say... Just to t- tell people you're a surgeon. Like, I don't know. Like, right. I'm not sure that people think that way anymore. Like, I think so many people from, like, so many diverse backgrounds and jobs and occupations and life circumstances have won at this point that it's like, yeah, I don't know that, like, being a lawyer or an athlete is, like, what you have to be to win mm-hmm. Survivor now. You know, like, it's just – and I, I don't know that anyone looks at you and I was like, oh, uh-oh, like, he's – uh you know, like a surgeon, he must be very like, obviously you have to be smart to be a surgeon, but like, I don't know that anyone's doing that. And I, I, I wonder if that maybe, you know, got ahead of him lying about the idol too, I think was, uh, was, a, was a snafu. And, um, yeah, I like that Carolyn was saying like at the feast, like, yeah, like she essentially like outed him. Like, yeah, he like is lying. I know mm-hmm. that he is. And <laughs> at least it seemed that way. I, by the time we get to the vote, it seemed like I would have come around the idea. He actually doesn't, but Everyone kind of just like looked at her, was like, ah, maybe. <laughs> and they were still like talking around her. Um, that's always funny. And I love that she was the voice of reason there. And no one, uh, no one seemed to catch on to that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's tough to see, uh, see Josh go because I liked him. I just think he got a little, I think he, th- he th- thought himself out of the game a little bit, I think. Yeah. And uh, I did find it interesting, you know, as the, the converging of the beaches was about to happen, uh, 
the one tribe was just like, yeah, I have this advantage. Yeah, I have this. I like yeah. kind of just let everybody know what was going on. And now uh, I believe it's Carson. His idol doesn't have power. As far as we know, there could be a twist with that down the line. But uh, his uh, ruling was as soon as everybody's on the same beach, mm-hmm. the idol loses power. Uh, so kind of a, a dead idol, a fake idol. And an extra vote. There's, all still, there's still some fakes hanging around uh, all over the place. Um, yeah, curious to see, you know, kind of what we get this week in terms of, you know, like it feels like every episode we're getting an opportunity for an advantage and things like that. I think people are much more open in some ways because everyone kind of knows, you know, like that you uh, – they know that if you've been on one of these journeys that you – Something happened. Ha- that you have potentially some sort of advantage because, you know, and we've seen this over the last few seasons – you know, they may not know directly, but someone who was on their tribe of, you know, four or five people went and told someone and then everyone on the tribe finds out, you know, like, and then you come there and it's like, yeah, we know, you know, it was, it was much more clear, you know, the last few seasons when they had to say the random, you know, yeah. the, the beach house is full <laughs> this time of year, you know, like, um, you know, things like that. And so I, I, I think, I think now there's just like, there's a little bit more transparency with that, which I think is all the more reason to just a hundred percent keep it to yourself. Yeah. As long as it's not like you lose a vote situation. If you like have your vote and you get whatever advantage it is, do not say a word mm-hmm. about it. Like keep it to yourself. Like I know there's like a little bit of building trust and like telling someone it, but like, damn, like I think you just, <laughs> I'm sure it's not easy to do. Um, but keep it to yourself as best as you can. hundred percent. Uh, expectations for, tonight's episode you know i uh so i actually you know i I did my votes um for for fantasy and i I put a lot on danny just because i think one of danny and brandon i think you know we got a little taste of that in the carolyn um when she went like with their little like pre-merge feast with them you're just the three of them and they were kind of talking to each other and seemed so excited they were like two dogs seeing each (laughs) other at the park you know like they were just like could not stop sniffing each other's ass the entire time and um I just wonder if maybe like one of those two guys, maybe not tonight, but I think, I think people like be aware, like, oh, they're a threat and they think that they're, we've seen this over the last few seasons where like the underdog, so Mm -hmm. to speak, or like the people that you don't expect typically to be like schemers are like, well, let's maybe get them out. Like, I think there's actually more people that would be more threatened and feel more like outsiders. Uh, You know, and Josh was apparently part of that group, you Mm -hmm. know, and like, I think that was at least maybe some part of the the logic in getting him out. Um, But I do wonder if there's maybe, you know, some people that feel threatened by that and think, well, I'm not big and strong, so I'm not a part of that alliance. Like, and I just, I wonder if maybe one of of Danny and Brandon, um, you know, is in some hot water this week. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see now, you know, with the merge and everything, how everything kind of divulges from here on out and how the challenges take shape and what tribal council looks like. So uh, make sure you're following at buffs and snuffs on Twitter to keep up to date with all of our survivor coverage and follow us at underground PHI, Twitter, Instagram, facebook.com slash underground sports PHI, twitch.tv slash underground sports PHI as well. If you want to watch the Wednesday shows live and uh, make sure you follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We're there. Leave a five-star rating and review. It does go a long way for helping the show continue to grow. Helps more people find Underground Sports Philadelphia. So go subscribe, Apple, Spotify, leave a five-star review. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of this podcast twice a week and every podcast on our network. Smash that like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your thoughts on everything we talked about on tonight's show. Uh, And once again, big thank you to all of the partners who uh, helped make our Ring It Live tailgate podcast happen. Kenwood Beer, PHI Apparel Company, Wasted Wedge, City of Vineland, and Audio Technica. Uh, It was a, a big success, and we're hoping to do more of those in the future whether they're at Phillies games or other sporting events, whatever it may be. Uh, awesome, awesome time down at the Jetro lot on Saturday. So thank you to everybody who came out and helped uh, get everything put together. Uh, and, of course, this episode and all of our episodes presented by the City of Vineland and the City of Vineland Municipal Calendar features city-organized, city-sponsored, and city-affiliated events that are of public interest. The calendar, which is accessible at vinelandcity.org, 
is a good way for residents and visitors to build awareness, remain engaged with city government, and participate in local events. You can also follow the City of Vineland on social media via their Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube pages. Through these tools, you can stay connected to the community and get important announcements about programs and services offered by the city. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Maine Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland for also sponsoring this episode. This has been episode number 524 of underground sports philadelphia make sure you guys get your merch as well at phiapparel.co use code underground for 10 percent off any order uh we'll be back later this week breaking down everything that happens with the fills over the weekend getting set for nfl draft season and a whole lot more but until then for matt i'm kb we are signing off peace I'm